Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Super excited to have Bindu Tota on the podcast today. Very excited to have her. Um, a product leader in the space. She's She's had a tremendous career building e-commerce um, software products. She's been at, at Meta. She's been at Zoo Lilies, uh, Microsoft, so many interesting things. So super excited to have her on the show to talk about her career and her recent um, career move to um, Stitch Fix. And so, um, Bindu, thank you for coming on the pod. Um, why don't you give our listeners just a little bit more background um, and, and introduction to yourself? Thank you, Kevin, and I'm very excited to be here. And in general, I get very excited um, to talk about product and the product community itself, so uh, even more excited to be here. Um, Just as an introduction, um, I started my career as an engineer. I've been uh, in Microsoft working as an engineer, and then I got um, very excited to move to product, Um, and then I worked uh, in product as a product manager at Microsoft. Then um, moved to, to Zululi, worked um, in product as well as engineering, in, in fact, in Zululi, um, but started like, you know, immersing myself in the e-commerce space. Zululi, then Facebook on Marketplace, and now Stitch Fix. Um, e-commerce, I get all excited again, <laughs> like about product as well as engineering. So. Yeah, what, uh, what excites you most about e-commerce? The interesting thing to me about e-commerce is um, not just e-commerce per se, but like, you know, the retail and what we do through e-commerce. It just touches people literally every day in a very visceral way. Um, You know, like you get up in the morning and, you know, you wear your clothes, right? And and clothes mean different things to different people. When you wear the right kind of clothes, the confidence it gives you, that's just amazing. Um, And, um, you know, we can get, get into this later, but... In, um, in in Stitch Fix, some of the feedback we get from customers is how confident they felt, how good they felt about themselves because they were wearing the things that, you know, are right for them, like whatever right means for them in that context. And and that is exciting to me. And, and you do so many things on a daily basis. Like I go to Amazon so many times because, you know, I'm, I'm working on my yard right now. I've moved to a new house and built my yard. Um, that is e-commerce. So it touches people literally in, you know, every day on a daily basis in a visceral way. And that excites me, that customer connection. Yeah. Really excites me. And then, and so you mentioned Stitch, Stitch Fix and you recently made that transition over. Um, were you prior, prior to that, you were at Meta, is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay. And then what caused the shift to uh, Stitch Fix for you? Yeah, so uh, like so many people today, I uh, I just got pinged on LinkedIn, plug for LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> and when I started talking to the company, before I even talked to the company, I went and I, I spent some time doing my, my own research. Um, and some of the insights, the, the, the thing that really interested me was this mix of art and science that Stitch Fix does. Um, it, if, you, if you take a step back and think about it, um, like what we do, e-commerce, retail, like, like, you know, trying to figure out, like I talked about, you know, how do you feel good about yourself through mm. what you do, what you buy, what you're touching, what you're eating, what you're wearing and stuff like that. 
there is a lot of what is it that you like in there right and that keeps changing right there is no mm-hmm. one thing you like there's i like this today but then tomorrow i like something else right and right. how do you get that because when you get that right that is when you feel so good about yourself right and you just be- become confident and then you project that confidence and everything is just like you know roses and unicorns right so to speak. <laughs> uh, and how do you get that and there is a lot to unpack behind it and um you know we know that human touch is very important because it's not uh, you know it's an out it's not an algorithm so to speak right there is something deeper uh but we also know that machines can help a lot because humans can't scale so mm. that that mix of using art and science to to figure out how to connect with somebody where they are i think that is very exciting to me and i saw a lot of that as i was doing research um one of the things that on uh, that's available um on stitchfix.com is a trend report they published for the for the last year and i was looking through that and um reading between the lines that kind of trend report you can put together only when customers share a lot with you right mm. and and then so when i started doing my, you know deeper research it turned out and of course i started using the product customers share a lot with us at stitch fix um you know like there is a note when i ask for like hey can i get some fix or whatever they they, they send a mm. note they share things like i have a wedding uh, can you help me or um i'm going back to work and i've been at home for 2 years can you help me or i've taken time off to you know to care for family now i'm going back to work can you help me or things like i've just had breast cancer and i've had surgery and i need to feel good about myself again can mm. you help me and when we get it right um you know th- then we we also get c- customer testimonials on you know how that's helping them right and so that the deeper connection is something that you know everybody wants all of us want we are like social beings at after all and um that we are able to get at stitch fix why do you think that is i'm curious like the is it the human element of having like a a you know the this person the stylist and they feel more comfortable mm-hmm. with giving the, and sending this, these data points that are so critical oh, absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. right that it's the human touch and mm. over the last two years that human touch was even more important yeah. as we were all at home right so having stylists like it's it's a support system yeah. it's a support squad and wow. you know in this case it's a styling squad but it's still a support squad uh, and so the business model itself is built around that that is front right and center for us and um on the other side we use machines to not just help the customers but also help our stylists right so we make uh, our stylist lives easier by using our you know our data science magic really mm. um to help them focus more on you know not just like search things and stuff like that in our catalog but actually have the deeper relationship with customers to focus on what is reason what what's going on with my customer today and what will resonate for mm. them so that really that deeper connection really excited me because you know pretty much every company wants that and in a stitch fix business model is built around it talk talk to me a little bit more about that business model how how would uh, someone that's not unfamiliar with stitch fix understand it yeah so stitch fix at the end of the day is a styling company what we do is we we like to understand what customers like where they are where they are overall but where they are today 
and try to like get them what you know they think we, th- we think they need or like you know meet them where they are and that is how i like to think about it um and the model itself is we use we ask a different you know multiple questions to overall figure out you know what kind of things you like as a customer um and then we we use stylus and so we use a mix of art and science uh, we have like a, you know we collect a lot of data points we have very strong differentiated industry leading data science and you know machine learning algorithms and we merge that with human touch and you know stylists who are styling experts um to put together collections for you and then send that to customers and when cust- and that the act the interesting thing is the checkout actually happens in your house and that's different from every other e-commerce company where you're checking out without trying here in with stitch fix the model is you get it to your house you try it and then that is where your actual checkout is you keep the ones you like and then you send the ones you don't like so um so that is the interesting one and um and then customers also have agency in saying um you know just send it to me on an order schedule and with changing seasons or changing like you know circumstances and stuff like that or they can uh, do it on demand um and we have the overall profile but they have deeper engagements in the context of every what we call fix right every um, event where you get a box home for example we call it a fix because we have you customers can say this is what they're looking for and that is how we try and figure out what are they in the mood for like right now what's going on in their lives and we get some deep insights into them um you know they like i said like you know they had surgery or they're going back or like what is the life events that are happening for them um and we also show them a preview like you know what do you think of these mm-hmm. and in the preview the experience they also tell us well i don't like this for x reason or um i like it but i already have it or you know don't ever send this particular thing to me and so based on all of that now we get to you know understand our customers even more yeah so it's really imagine having um a stylist on demand a style squad on demand that is what you know at the end of the day we do i love that i love the art and science piece that you bring up there that's so it's so interesting to me um i feel like there's a lot of uh models that are similar but i mean it seems like stitch fix has innovated in so many different elements of that model like you mentioned the checkout process being i feel like i from what i recall that stitch fix was one of the first to innovate in that way um to check out in, in the home so that was kind of interesting and, and and it just seems like you're you're so it's it's a fertile ground for product innovation when you have that relationship with the customer and all of those data touch points uh, quant and qual right like it's just it's an amazing area to then continue to innovate so i guess that that's one of uh, the challenges that you come in now you've been at stitch fix for four months um or five months ish or you know right and uh you you know they've already innovated so much they've already have this wealth of data now is it in your mind you're getting up to speed you kind of get the fire hose a little bit of the data the the information the research the customer interviews and are you do you find yourself ever coming up with similar ideas that have already been experimented on and validated and you're like oh like i had the light bulb moment this is what we should go you know and pursue and then it's like nah we already tried that and it's like <laughs> i'm curious is that is that uh, an occurrence for you yeah well you know it's been two months not four it feels longer but that's good 
uh, and like you said, the the quant and the qual data and the level of like the deeper engagement. I think it's just a product manager's dream job, right? To have that, you know that. Um, uh, and you know, you, to answer your other question, absolutely. There's so many times we're like, oh, let's do this. We've already run an experiment and we have the data for it, oh. right? And that's actually amazing. The fact that it's not just intuition, but the, the it's in the company's DNA yeah. and culture to run experiments and you know have the data. I think that's amazing. Um, now the interesting thing is we are continuing to innovate. We've done a lot of innovation um, last year, even before I joined, because we are evolving. You know, adding like adjacent markets, for example, so um, or, or like uh, um, yeah, business experiences. So now you know we used to be just the fix. Now we also have a browse model, where you can you know you can go and you can browse mm. um, and buy, for example, right? Um, because the fact is. Even in the browse, we just don't put our entire catalog in front of you. We are still styling. We show what we believe, um, you know, you will like as a customer. So it's an intensely personalized experience, mm. right? Um, and it gives customers more agency. But there is also a lot more scope for innovation. And that is the exciting part for me as a product manager. Because if you think about it, what does styling mean? You know, like right now, um, I just like, you know, I actually dream about this all the time, which is really what does styling mean? Styling is not just fix. Fix is one model to style. But there are so many other customer touch points that we recently unlocked through our browse experience, for example. And every point where a customer is, is there's a touch, we are touching the customer, we would like to be styling them. Mm-hmm. Right. So taking a step back and saying, um, what does it mean to meet the customer where they are? Not what, or not having them meet where we are, right? And styling them, right? Maybe they are, you know, they're in, they're browsing something, and then we give them a spectrum of op- mm. options of styling, right? Like, you know, the the thing that everybody is doing now is saying, oh, you know, different ways to like wear this an outfit, right? Everyone's doing it, but maybe we can merge that with, um, you know, talk to an expert, right? Have a consultation. Um, this is a mood boards. And I think of this as like mood boards, or maybe there is a collaborative way to style because we know that not all customers are the same. That's why I keep going back to meet customers where they are. Some people like to be surprised or they just don't have time. They're like, I don't have time. I have a lot going on in my life. Just send it to my house. I will like wear it and then tell you what, you know, what I'll keep. Mm. And that's fine. But some, some customers, it's a fun experience for them. Right. And they want to like, you know, do it together. Like imagine walking into a store in a retail store and then having a, a stylist on demand, right? Where they're like bouncing ideas off of each other. How about this? You know, does this go well with this? And does this like fit my body type or whatever, right? So there is a whole bunch of um, innovations and very innovative experiences we can build. Um, that's just like constantly marinating in my head. Um, but again, all with the idea of understand customers and what's going on in their life at that point, their context and meet them where they are. Uh, how do you delight them? Right. That is the, at the end of the day, you know, um, what we are talking about. Of course, if you talk about the longer innovation, I think AR, um, augmented reality, like maybe, um, you know, for like virtual dressing rooms, metaverse, you know, there's a whole uh, greenfield ahead of us. Yeah. 
Uh, it sounds like such an exciting job for a product manager. Um, I want to shift a little bit to, to talk about product leadership. Um, since you, you've kind of, um, and, and you have to, um, tell me a little bit about the structure of the product department at Stitch Fix, but are you, you, you your title is VP of product. Are you, are you running the department or a subset of the department or what, how does that structure work? Yeah, we have, uh, we have like, uh, we have, uh, at least two VPs of product. So we right. have multiple teams. Yeah. Uh, and then we uh, we run each or uh, each of us run our own space. And how how do you all define spaces there? Yeah. Yeah. So for example, I'm um, responsible for everything styling, right? So defining what styling means from and and we have two sets of customers, um, that our actual customers who who buy our products or use our services are one of our customers, but the actual stylists um, are also my customer. Right. So they have external facing customers and internal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm really doing, so to speak, like a marketplace, trying to find right. a match between them, trying to find the right stylist for the right customers and making sure um, we're delighting really both of them. Yeah. And then and you, so that was the yours. Yours is the stylist and you have two customer um, focuses there. It's a marketplace. You have your hard side, I'm assuming, is your kind of like your stylist, and then your soft side is more of your customers that are wanting to get styled. Then what is this other space? Those are my direct customers. But then there is a lot more stuff, um, you know, I I, um, I touch, right? Mm. Um, which is also the merchandising, warehouse management, because, you know, like for stylists to style and send cust- and delight customers, we need to have the right merchandising, mm. right? which means we need to have the right vendor experiences. There's a whole machine that powers all of this um, that I own as well as, 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 as a product, for, from a product perspective. Got it. So th- those are more of kind of like the, the in-service of the, this marketplace exactly. connection. You have all these ancillary yes. or indirect customers yes. that you manage. And, and, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Love right. it. Because the, the right products at the right price the right time mm-hmm. right? yeah and so right time is all like warehouses and shipping mm-hmm. and you know inbound outbound all that kind of stuff right product is the merchandising right working with the right vendors mm-hmm. um like do we have the right assortment the right sizing the right imagery and all that kind of stuff yeah. do we does our stylist know how a particular thing fits so then they can make a judgment call on is that going to be the right fit for this customer and the right pricing. At the end of the day, it has to be priced right. So I, um, from from a product perspective, I am responsible for all of that. The other area is more customer um, fo- focusing. Stitchfix.com, the browse experience, um, like the 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 marketing landing pages. How do we like we think of the the top of the funnel? How do we bring customers into our ecosystem? Mm. How do we um, help them discover um, the value we add? Um, what a Street Fix model is all about, um, you know, how do we serve our customers? Um, and then, you know, product detail pages, checkout experience, that's the browse model. There's a whole another team that is responsible for that. that that's interesting. I, it doesn't seem clear to me um, about the the division now of, of, uh, of focus. It, it seems kind of a little ambiguous. Maybe I, maybe I'm misunderstanding, but it, it almost sounded like you had like an activation team kind of focused around that first touch point to getting successful, uh, with the product. And then you're kind of the core product, but then you also mentioned the checkout. So it's kind of, it's kind of strange there. Yeah. So, 
so so that is how it is organized today mm. but but think about it differently right which is client services client touch points bringing people into our ecosystem uh, and showing them the breadth of what we do and offering and getting them familiarized and all of that is one big thing right and then styling for them the styling services mm. and then uh, you know powering the styling through the right product right price right time all of that is another part of the experience and so that is how uh, we are divided okay that yeah. said i'm a big proponent of you know just evolve the org team org structures have to be in service of what we do for the customer absolutely right yeah and you know it, it, this is the, the structure that makes sense for us like you know with what we're trying to do today tomorrow's innovations they you know might need us to like restructure and you know that's the way it should be yeah oh i love i love that perspective and the point of view it's i think that's the trend that i'm seeing as well as most teams are kind of organizing around that experience it's it's always interesting about the division though it's it's i'm curious to see or hear and find out more about you know what other companies find success in that in that breakout in that division but i personally um through my career you know through microsoft other places would work in you know different parts of the company because you know you kind of marinate more into the problem mm. um and the more you know what the adjacent spaces the better your own approaches to the same problem Right. you approach the problem slightly differently and because i you know like i worked as an engineer and then i worked as a product like you know i have both so my approach to a problem is different um and i can see that like i i worked on the data space for a while and then i started thinking about it very differently mm. so i'm a big proponent of not having rigid org structures uh but just keeping them malleable and flexible so you have the and when people don't get attached um then you have the the flexibility to to organize yourself to best support what you're trying to do um i i i struggle with that a little bit in some scenarios or i've you know i've seen organizations struggle in that rather that um almost too much ambiguity in 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 structure can also lead to in action versus the it's like it's it it's there's your art and science right <laughs> you're dialing that in oh what's the right level of focus versus the right level of autonomy and ambiguity and then um just get after it but uh but it, again it's the same right it's based on the context yes yes and the ability of your teams right and sometimes uh, your teams are not ready for it right or, or sometimes um things have gotten too rigid that now they are likely hindering and hurting innovation and you need to shake things yeah. up so this as a leader you know i like to think of all of these as different tools in your toolbox yes. right? you need to have a complete toolbox and then you need to have the clarity to say what is my right tool at this time to oh, so know one way to do anything so so stitch fix you know it says they were founded in 2011 it's 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 2022 is is a lot that's gone by since they first found were founded and in so many different um <clears throat> industry behavioral uh economic uh social changes that have happened since that founding and you're coming in as a product leader and running the product department for a piece of this experience tell me a little bit about like how do you get up to speed in that um what what uh, what can you share with our audience there about what you've learned so far Yeah so the initial at least 90 days or 3 months or, or, or you know at least the initial time um 
is it's just onboarding time it's marinating time and um i call it my noob time i, I guess that's a meta um, word um and i and i use and i leverage that like nobody's business right like as long as i can i play my noob card because uh then you can just say hey i'm new here can you explain a little bit more about this or can you help me understand or it helps you ask tough questions in a in a nice way right this doesn't make sense to me uh but i'm new so maybe i'm missing something right uh but but the 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 the, I, the thing is you just need to like marinate yourself you need to really put yourself in the thick of things to understand um what's going on right understand the customer at the end of the day it's a customer and the business model right and and then my, my so i usually that's how i operate understand the customer where they are what are we doing for them understand the business model what's going on in the business um then understand the pain points what is limiting what are the potential possibilities right dream up the possibilities and most of them you know like you said when i say oh can we do this yes we've thought about it but that's okay like you want to independently dream up the possibilities because that's when you know if you if you are getting it mm, they, yeah yeah right and if you are like if you thinking of stuff that nobody has thought of there is something wrong yeah. because you know you're not like from mars right <laughs> so like really you want to be thinking of stuff that other people have thought of so you know you're on the right direction you're at least like you know thinking about it the right way you're getting it so to speak right, right. especially when you're early um and then uh, then i try to like say okay what is it that prevents us from going there right either because it didn't work and then why did it not work and maybe because you know you do it in a different way it might work um or maybe there is a we were not able to do it because we don't have the right tech in place we don't have the right platform in place so understand what is holding us back as an organization so then you can start like putting all of this together to say oh okay there is there is promise here how do we validate the promise and then how do we build the roadmap to it the other thing i do is i like to like you know shadow people like i i love to shadow cx for example because cs is the closest to the customer sitchvik cx team is amazing like i'm like wait i think you can you be my product team <laughs> like you know because they have such deep insights about the customers so just go shadow them i shadow like stylists see what they're doing and it's it, i just get warped every time i see them do it they just like go to so much detail they go to th- towards the history to say every product that the customer interacted with did they like it did they not like it why did they not like it i think she will like this and you know? i think he will like this so just sh- like shadow them uh, you know just get, just learn more and more and more but try to like these are all like puzzle pieces right and if you get all the puzzle pieces right eventually hopefully you'll put the puzzle together and that would be your roadmap at least that's that's how you know that's the model that works for me yeah and then the the key thing through this there's a consistent that thing that threads through this is relationships you have to build relationships because at the end of the day you will leverage relationships to build anything yeah that's great um i was going to ask you about what are the tool tools in your tool chest to uh get in front of users and understand and you mentioned the shadowing was was one uh good one um so yeah i i definitely second that yeah and then research right our research. research team um yeah so you want that 360 view right so like a lot of times especially when i'm new um even when i'm not new 
like every week i start with there's a few questions i ask for myself and then i try to answer that i try to find answers for that for myself mm. right and sometimes it's like oh what does the analytics say about the same topic versus like churn rate right? what is our churn rate like was one of the questions and what does research say about churn and like why are people like you know churning what does cx say say about churn what does analytics say about churn and then what is the what is the customer experience like uh, for example right like are we like you know what is our retargeting experience like and stuff like that and then what are the finances of the churn from a business perspective so that is like i ask questions for myself and i do it more when i first start but you know my goal is to like do it all the time because you want to you know you never know everything and you're never on top of everything yeah. but bringing that multiple points of view together that then that's those are the puzzle pieces that make the puzzle while you're uh um going down the journey of 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 getting all these puzzle pieces collecting all of these when do you decide and maybe this is more of an arts question than a science question but that you have enough to then confidently put together a roadmap that the teams can go and execute against versus kind of just going off with what they have like where's yeah when does that feel comfortable you never have enough right <laughs> it's, it's never perfect yeah. now one of the first things i learned as a product manager is to be comfortable with that so i was an engineer before and as an engineer you're not comfortable with that like a design has to be complete code has to be complete there is this so many incomplete unknown things it's really like jumping off a cliff as a product manager Absolutely. and i had to get comfortable with it and it took me time mm. it took me some time it took me a while to get comfortable with it so there is a lot of common sense and intuition backed by data right there's a lot of instinctive stuff that's backed mm. by data that you have to like by definition product managers we're leading right we set a vision um and we you know based on like whatever data you have like this is what we're seeing in the market this is what like every, other people are doing your our competitors are doing this is what we know from our what your users are telling us this is the the broader stuff that's happening mm. <clears throat> this is like you know and stuff like that right like you, you put your roadmap together but you have to be willing to be wrong about these things right and and you can't get attached to your own idea and that's a big trap that product managers fall into because the very the, the, by design you are putting a stake in the ground yes informed by data but if it's 100% um you know like data backed then that means that it was done already right but we are we are we doing stuff that's not done yet right that is the innovation so you are you are taking bets and when you do that you put a stake in the ground you cannot the trap is that you become attached to your own idea and then you start defending it even when you see data that says otherwise right and so you need to be okay with that but the other thing that works is there are some safety nets in the sense you take multiple bets is one big bet but like a few small bets so your big bet doesn't pan out at least your you know you have incremental progress happening so you want to be balancing that you want to balance your big rock big ideas um that have a higher risk for failure with like you know some small ones so there's always some wins because getting those wins is you know you have to be constantly innovating constantly refreshing your experience from a customer perspective 
but from a team also getting those wins is important hmm. right and so you need to you need to have um, that balance you need to have the balance of short term tactical long term strategic risk um, you know high risk high reward things and you know maybe like safer bets <clears throat> and also if you think of the overarching um, threats right what are we doing to reduce churn what are we doing to delight customers what does styling mean if you have those threats what we are doing um, individual things in service of them some of them will pan out some of them will not but the threat stays the same and as long as the threat stays the same then when you know something doesn't work the probability of other things working just gets higher right so the your overall thing does not fall flat so there's like um i think there is this safeguards you can give for yourself but again having that 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 bigger work streams bigger threats um established and then experimenting within so something's failed something succeed i think is a is a good place that you know i've landed um, like experimenting in my career does that make sense i think I, i feel like i talked a bunch of things no no i i do think it makes sense i think there's always this i feel like pms coming up in their career and gaining more experience get frustrated with leadership because there is no answer <laughs> right this this thing of like um you have to be comfortable with what you don't know and you you need to know how to operate within that and i think that there's frustration of like oh wait you you don't have the answer to say that it is this percent you know this this percent this or no it's this you know it, it's trying to uh, just completely look at it scientifically instead of uh, how the art impacts the decisions in the work and um so it, that absolutely makes sense i think like we are also storytellers right product managers are by nature our job you know needs us to be storytelling all the time absolutely. which means that if you are if you are um, you know we are constantly selling something we're selling a vision we're selling a story like to management and then we're selling a story to our own teams we're selling it to engineering we're selling it to stakeholders <laughs> or customers mm. and stuff like that um if you sell them in in and it depends on what you're doing right if you say this particular one is you know very promising blah 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 and that doesn't pan out then there's disappointment but if you say these are the five things we are trying because we want to move the needle for increasing conversion delighting customers increasing nps right so then your umbrella still stays then you can talk in terms of and then you flip it and say this the, the thing that didn't work this is what we learned from it we learned more about ourselves as a company we learned more about our customers as a company so uh, i think how you frame the discussion um has a huge impact on you know the team morale um you know how the team does and this are so that's why i think that's one of the jobs as as a vice president of product is to like frame that and be the be the the, the conduit the storytelling conduit between like i guess our stakeholders and our teams yeah and i think i think that's a a a skill Yeah, storytelling in general, you said, you know, that that's a really great skill, but instead of shifting it to around the product and the user and the business, it's it's more around the teams, the decisions you're making and and still, you know, very much the user in the in the business as well. So, I feel like that that's a newer skill for myself becoming a new product, you know, uh VPN product and learning that that 
professional a little bit more, um, just how to, how to, you know, hone in and get better at that in particular. And, and it's a learning experience, right? You make mistakes and, and then you, and then you learn from that and then it helps you get better at those things. And I guess that's one of my other questions for you, you know, since you've been in the, in the space for a while and you've, you know, again, newer to stitch fix, like what are the mistakes you've made so far? Well, you know, storytelling is one place where you, I learned more from my failures and my successes, right? Because constantly you try, uh, you know, like I'm just talking about my own experience. You know, you, I tried to like sell something uh, or communicate, mm. like, you know, use nicer words in one way. And then you have to look at like, is it resonating? Right? Is the message sticking? Or, you know, the, the thing that your audience took away from the conversation, like, is that what you really wanted them to take away? And so you have to constantly have that audience awareness. Mm. And I, let me tell you, I had more failures than successes, but I learned from every failure. I learned from every time where, oh, why did this not, you know, land, right? And I have had some spectacular failures as well. Like, you know, we launched something and then that is ex that is that disappointed so many people. Mm. Luckily, it was an internal launch in Zuluri, but disappointed so many people because it's not what they expected. And it's not the team's fault. They they executed exactly what, you know, we planned. But it was the framing and the storytelling where, you know, we didn't set the right expectations. We didn't communicate about the value of what we're doing right, right? And um, those are all like learning experiences. The thing is to not make the same mistake twice. Hopefully you learn from that. But um, the, it's an e ever evolving thing, right? Like, it, you know, how I talk to you and how I make the message land with you, hopefully this message is landing, is very different from like, you know, how I you know talk to my management and how I talk to my team. Yeah. So uh, again, like one of the first things you know, I have to do and I try to do, especially we're asking the, the onboarding, right? Like when you come to Stitch Fix, is to also develop that audience awareness, right? Like watch some of the like exec reviews to see, oh, what resonates in this company? What are they, you know, what are the buzzwords that actually work? Believe me, every company has a few best buzzwords mm -hmm. that land very well. Mm -hmm. right. And so you want to like start developing that sense of it as well, because, you know, obviously if you're trying to send a message and that doesn't land, then, you know, you're not succeeding. Um, so that is something, you know, I've learned. Being comfortable with like not being right, not having data, but taking a stance on it, that was hard. Um, and, you know, it took me a while to get there. Hmm. Or like not having boundaries around what my job is. I know that I struggled with it when I first moved from engineering to product. When I was in engineering, especially, I would like go to work every day and have a list of things and write them on my board. It's a to-do list. And then I'm done. When I used to go home when I'm done. If I'm done by midday, I'm done and I used to just go home. <laughs> there is no list like that when you're in product, right? Every, it used to be everything that doesn't get done is your job, so to speak. Like, you know, I don't know of any product person that can come up with a list. And being okay with that was also like, a, it, was a, it was a transition. Oh yeah. That's uh I feel like everyone uh, in product struggles with that a little bit, but it's also like you're saying it's it's a it's an opportunity to 
get comfortable with that uncertainty and that, that learning, uh, that, that you're going through in, in your role and your, uh, yeah. And in, in your situation, but that's easier said than done. Yeah. Than oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think just getting the, yeah. you know, um, getting the reps in, right. You just getting the practice, getting the routines, you, you, you try, you yeah. fail, you yeah. try, you fail, you try, you learn, you try to succeed. Right. And there's all these yeah. things that yeah. continually compound over absolutely. time and, I feel a lot of people sometimes are impatient, get frustrated with it. And then they, you know, look back and they realize, you know, I myself was very impatient growing, growing up in my product role. So yeah, I I, I definitely. But but that is where getting mentors help. Yes, absolutely. And that's another thing. And I forgot to mention, and I should have, that's another thing you do when you're new to a, a situation, whether a company or team. Like who are your stakeholders? Yes. But who are also your, your supporters and, you know, who could potentially be your detractors, but who can be your mentor? Mm. Because having a mentor um, that says it's okay. Failure is fine. Don't worry about it. Just keep going. What did you learn from it? And I got your back. And I've had several people over my career that did gave me that confidence that boosted it, that, that gave me that safety net. Um, and, and so it's, Mm. it's my turn to give that to, you know, the people I can, right. And I I would say the same thing for you. Right. Mm. And that's our jobs right now, but that's also an opportunity for us to do that for other people, Yeah, because that makes so much of a difference, creating that safety to say, just go experiment. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Absolutely. I just don't make the same mistake multiple times. That's what I tell you. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. that that's such a great uh, perspective. Um, tell me a little bit about the, the team now. You're coming in, you know, you're new leader of the team. And, you know, maybe some folks have been there for a while. Um, you know, they might have not had set, have a say in this new leader that they now have to report to. Like that's mm-hmm. gotta be mm-hmm. a learning experience in itself. And how do you, how do you come in and manage that, um, situation? What have, what's been your experience so far? I think the first thing is, um, develop relationships with them. And I think it's very important to be vulnerable and open and transparent. And just like, you know, they don't know you and they are not sure and they're, they're like, you know, trying, waiting to figure you out, you're doing the same. And, you know, like, can you recruit them to, to help you, right? Like, I, you know, just I'm very, very transparent. And I just say, I don't know anything here. Help me, right? What do you think I should know about, right? What do you think I should know about you? How do I help you, right? And being very clear that, hey, my job is to help you right because you know like if i enable you if i like my goal is to create an environment where you can be the best you can be because that is in my interest Mm, as well at at the end of the day right so how do i do that for you and uh, having that conversation very openly and then also say look um this is my reality i'm trying to figure out how to make this work or I'm trying to figure out what styling even means. I'm trying to figure out how to like, you know, how to influence up or like how to influence this person, whatever, right? Just getting their help, asking for help, being very open and transparent um, and then being vulnerable and just, you know, openly talk about what am I going to focus on at the end of the day? I think that, will will help but at the end of the day they will take time to to understand and just like any office somebody new comes they're on probation right like you're trying to figure that out 
and then hopefully it'll work right and you know couple of situations where you help them succeed or you 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 know you kept their interests and you prioritize them maybe ahead of yours for example or you're willing to be patient to give them a, a second chance for example rather than just step in and do it yourself right like that those are like the this is good like i can do it but i don't i would rather you do it so this is this is another thing i um, i tell my team i look for opportunities that you know that stretches them like maybe gives them an opportunity to like try out a different skill and and my commitment to them is here is an opportunity i think this is it this is what this gives you this is new to you it also puts you in front of the people where you know there's a high risk of failure and you'll be worried about it naturally i will be in the background i will give you 100% support whatever you need to prop you up as long as you need me right there will be a time where you'll need me less and less and then you're an expert at it mm. but i'm investing in that time because it's more work for me to do it that way rather than just do it myself but i'm investing in you um do you want this opportunity right and yes it's more work for me but absolutely the right thing to do long term because you have a tighter relationship with your team but you're growing your team which means then you know i need to do lesser eventually right that's the how do you invest in your team yeah and what does that um initial investment look like as you're as you're onboarding like do you are you i mean you're inheriting a product a team a roadmap that's in in flight now do you <clears throat> come in and course correct um if you see any um i mean this is might be an, another art and science question but like do you course correct immediately do you wait do you kind of um what are the directives you give to that team in the moment has it gone to that point yet or are you still you know taking the information and just a whole ton of whole ton of questions to throw at you around that <laughs> yeah. it has gone to that interestingly uh my bias is to not disrupt something that's in flight right because like you're new what do you know you don't know enough to disrupt anyway um any time you want to disrupt something it has to be a, a a bad need before you want to disrupt it right and so i'm very open and transparent i don't want to i'd rather not disrupt anything here right however maybe if things are not going in the right direction or um there's something going on that trumps this in priority and there is a big need for the business or some it's just not working somebody is not able to pull this something together some sometimes mm. some some things don't converge and and then when you start digging into why are they not converging why are like you know why are the teams like spinning around in circles for this it's because fundamentally there is an issue there that's when you know you have to step in so i had like a couple of things um i had to do already for it another thing i had to do was um just roadmap review um didn't disrupt however took the same thing but framed it differently right and so that was very completely storytelling so the actual roadmap items didn't change but how we framed it and how we told the story on what we are trying to do was very different um and so this was like you know coaching moments for teams as well on why does this resonate more than that why is this and then there's a dialogue there and i i see those as coaching moments for my team as well so when you um 
maybe maybe if you can speak to a uh, an actual real world example, and you can you can remove any you know um, special sauce there, but. Was there, what was the actual example of you coming in and having the course correct on something that you saw not heading in the right direction, whether that be in roadmap review or otherwise? Yeah. So, um, let me take one example, but I just want to be very careful in, you know, in not giving, not, um, sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was just not converging. Right. And why was it not converging? Um, there's multiple teams had different viewpoints and and um, i think in in some cases conflicting viewpoints right on you know how are we interpreting the data maybe the um, the data science team had one viewpoint the the research team the uxr team had a different viewpoint and um, how do you think about all of these at the end of the day to actually converge on what we are trying to do right so what what we ended up doing is we took a step back and said what are all what is the subtext behind all of this right because there will always be different viewpoints sometimes they're conflicting sometimes they're if you're overlapping then that's good but there will be different viewpoints so the thing the thing that i did was literally take a step back and say clearly articulate to me what are we trying to do what is the actual goal right and what are the possible options we are looking at based on all these viewpoints and each of these options, how does it serve that actual goal? And having that, you know, having somebody explain the clarity in, in you know, in that way, um, then we said, oh, okay. So, and then this is the limitation. This is the problem. If you just make a slight pivot, right, I think it solves for everybody's problems and um, not dilute the overall goal too much. But the bigger promise is, it has a, a longer runway. So, um, like for example, let me give you like a little more detail. So we have what we call fixes, right? Boxes come home, and we are trying to understand what is the customer looking for, what is the customer in mood for today, right? That is a very contextual one around that box, right? and we were trying to like um, this is in service of understanding more of that. So when customers say, "I'm looking for this," is that a constraint? Or is that a signal? And there are two different things. If it's a constraint, then we will only do that. If it's a signal, then we can do around it. And um, and so that was where the, the whole um, confusion was. And we landed in a place where it is not an end goal by itself, but there is a scope for a lot more innovation. If you think of it as a conversation with a customer, not a constraint, not a signal, but customer experience. If you take a step back and say, what are we doing? We're really connecting with the customer. It's a conversation. And a conversation can happen in multiple ways. There can be a text message, but tomorrow there can be a chat. And then maybe there can be a, you know, mood boards that they share or like a live conversation. So we pivoted to thinking about it as a conversation, in which case now we are doing just the step one or step two or whatever in that conversation. So that's where we landed. But we had to take take a step back and say, okay, what are we trying to do? At the end of the day, what is it that we are achieving here? 
I definitely have more questions and, and I feel like you and I can talk for hours and hours, but um, it looks like we're, we're getting to the end of our time here. So um, at the end of the show, we usually do something where we hand out homework for the week. So for our listeners, you know, um, listening to our conversation today, um, we give them a piece of homework to take away from our conversation to apply in their actual jobs. <clears throat> so put you on the spot here, but um, what, what might you have for, for our listeners this week that they can actually apply in their role? So Airbnb has this um, 11 star model, or, you know, a way of um, developing experiences, customer experiences. Um, so, you know, I think you can, um, pe- people can Google it themselves, but the idea is if when you're bi- building a new experience, what can you build that will delight your customer, serve their needs, maybe they'll give you a five-star rating. What can you do to delight them? Maybe they'll give you a seven-star rating, um, nine-star rating. What can you do that can just wow them that maybe they'll give you an 11-star rating, right? And uh, when you're building a new experience, having multiple ways to look build that experience that have that, you know, that, that kind of reaction from customers, if you can build that or if you can even think through that, um, then uh, what I've observed is, and I think Airbnb has tons of material on this as well, the end product you build is far better than you would have built, you were originally on track to build. Because it forces you to like be very clear on, do I really understand my customer to make that minute difference between what serves them, what satisfies them, what makes them happy, what wows them, what just like blows them, blows their mind, right? If I can like actually, you know, think through and have that clarity of thought, then I can say, oh, why can't I build that? Maybe I can't build 11 star, maybe that's too outlandish, but why not a nine, nine star one, right? And your end product is, is, is far better. Uh, I've heard that in a podcast um, and a few years ago, and I've been following it ever since. And I think that's a wonderful way to do design products or customer experiences. So I, I would, I would, as a homework, encourage people to do that in you know whatever they're doing in their in their at least work or lives or whatever. Love that. Um, that that's awesome. I you know I would similarly add you know in the customer um, understanding get in front of them. Um, I think here is another tool we learned today of doing ride-alongs with CS, right? Like that's a good example of a way that you can get closer to your customers to better understand, um, to better understand them in general, what problems you're solving for them. And so I think um, that could be an also a, a good homework assignment for the week. So um, <clears throat> Bindu, is there anything that you'd want to plug and tell our listeners about before we close out? Uh, I want to plug Stitch Fix. I think, I think you should all go try it out. Um, I will be the first to admit that you have to pay, you know, spend a little bit of time um, to understand the value we, we provide and the, you know, and the amazing styling that our stylist team um, does for people. I think uh, we've had highly loyal customers that are very, very happy. And I would love for more people to join our ecosystem check us out try us out <laughs> that's awesome well, well we'll link you out in the in the description to the episode as well uh, i hope that our listeners have tried stitch fix at this point if not now you know please get after it um and one more plug please. i want to plug your pot because i know it, it, the product ecosystem and the product family uh, you know i think is not as big as it should be 
uh, and I think we can all use more community help and support. So thank you for doing this. And I want to, you know, plug your program in your program. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah. Well, um, yeah, definitely. Go listen to more podcasts. Go listen to Product Coffee more. Share it uh, with your with your uh, network. It's always helpful for us. Uh, gets the word out there. So um, thank you, Benu, so much for, for spending this hour with us and, and, and chatting and just dumping all your knowledge on us. So I appreciate it. Appreciate your passion and your time. And it uh, looks like we finished up our coffee. So go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover, and who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.